40 of Gaming Fix. Uh, I'm Allison and I'm uh, hosting today, which I we just decided about two minutes ago. Um, joining me today is Alex. Hey, uh, I now work cross-platform between PS4, PC, and uh, Xbone. Oh, good for you. No Switch, though? No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. And uh, also our best boy, Pat. I'm now available on Game Pass, and uh, you can sync saves between your Xbox One and Windows. All right, sounds good. So there, it's us, the uh, APA group today, just uh, just us three. Before we decided we are the American Psychological Association, so take this as strict psych- uh, psychiatric advice. Don't do that. <laughs> and uh, you don't need therapy if you listen to this podcast. Uh, we can yep. all endorse that. Yep, that is, we're basically totally. yeah. uh, CBT, uh-huh. that's us. Yeah, so <laughs> we're here to uh, talk about some video games, and uh, so let's get started with that and just do minimal uh, psychiatric advice. So, uh, yeah. Alex, let's start with you. What are you bringing today? So what you should do is you should keep a journal, <laughs> and you should write down... When you're feeling good, just be like, yeah, this is what I was thinking when I was feeling good. When you're feeling bad, this is what I was thinking when I was feeling bad. I was mostly feeling good this week because I was playing a much of Overwatch again because I was too busy to play other games. So there's really nothing more more to say about that we talked about last week. Uh, I put a little itty bitty, like, let's call it 10 minutes into cross code before I had to step away from it. (laughs) And I don't know, from 10 minutes, that game seems really neat, but that's not enough to say anything. I'm so torn on that game because I want to play it and like it really bad. But every time I look at it, like when I hear people talk about it, I'm like, God, I want to play that game. But then when I actually look at it, I go, I don't know if this is for me. So like I haven't bought it yet, but yeah, yeah I, I, I bought it too. And I've played maybe two hours of it so yeah. far. So you're, um, you're further than I am for sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I've gotten through a lot of the kind of setup. It's it seems really cool. I I just there's just too many games to get real into. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And uh, I I feel like partially I kind of want to get be the person that's like reps a lot of the indie games at game of the year at the end of the year, and I'm like, oh, but I have so many to play. So yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, Crosscode's definitely one that I want to play more before the end of the year, though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, it's been a very light video game week for me. I can talk all about Kubernetes if you guys want to talk programming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, 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 listeners, if you have Kubernetes questions, shoot me an at on uh, Pornhub. I, th- <laughs> I think an interesting Overwatch thing right now is like, it feels like as someone who has sort of, you know, played that game on and off since it came out and always been pretty interested in it it feels like they're kind of building to something to me a little bit um they've been announcing so many collectibles recently which maybe that's the end of it maybe it's just that they're trying to sell more merchandise but i don't know it feels like with the amount of collectibles they're doing the halloween events starting um that that there's more eyes on overwatch than there has been since the last big 
kind of like new character lore dump new map sort of push mm-hmm. and i'm just wondering with blizzcon like a month and a half away i think a month and a half away sometime in november um i'm wondering if maybe there's something they're going to announce a big something big there um that's more than just like a new character or something uh so i don't know that's do, do you have any thoughts on like where you could see the next sort of next level for overwatch being i kind of see overwatch the base game as kind of like dota 2 where it's just or league or any of those kinds of service games Mm -hmm. where it's the same game forever but then they just kind of add to it be it cosmetics or new game modes or whatever so possibly there's a new game mode that would be a thing or like i'm not sure because what kind of event like uh, if i think of events like there's obviously the halloween event but i'm trying to think of more gameplay oriented events like the dota ones how they had their battle pass and such like, yeah could there be something similar in overwatch i mean uh what's it called fortnite does that too don't they oh yeah yeah um yeah i mean actually i think that i think dota kind of started that mm. but um but fortnite's definitely the one that got everyone else to do it a lot of other like um paladins for example which which i'm a pretty big fan of um sort of similar to overwatch uh high-res shooter hero shooter um they went to a model where they used to just have like loot chests you would buy the character pack for like 25 30 bucks that would get you all the characters forever and ever um or you could play it for free and not have all the characters and play on a rotation um but if you bought the the character pack then you could also get cosmetics out of chests or just by buying them straight up from the store kind of an overwatch like model um but once fortnite and uh added the battle pass to battle royale paladins now has a similar battle pass system and i know several other games have kind of adopted the same thing so i could totally see that making its way to overwatch i think blizzard <coughs> blizzard is so they don't like to to crib things from other games unless they can make it seem like they're the ones who came up with it. So like yeah. obviously Overwatch is heavily inspired by Team Fortress, but you wouldn't know that if you just if you didn't know about well, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but I don't know. They own it so much. They own the concept so hard with with Overwatch. It's not like it doesn't feel like an homage or an in, or like it's inspired by another game. It feels like it's very much its own thing, even though it is heavily inspired by another game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that they would do something where they just straight like have a battle pass. That almost seems too derivative for them, um, even though it would probably make them a lot of money. I feel like they would have to do yeah. something unique to it that would make it different somehow. Yeah, I mean, Blizzard um, is... I, I do think... Oh, sorry. Please go ahead. Oh, I do, I do think that you are onto something though about them. Um, they're they're be, they're kind of working their way to something because I, this just this just occurred to me that Overwatch was just in the humble monthly and it was yeah, uh, that's pretty heavily advertised. So it seems like they're probably trying to get as many people playing Overwatch as possible. So yeah. if I mean, granted, that's kind of their mo because they want to sell loot boxes, they want to sell merch, they want you know. It, the the base game is only the first purchasing, but if but Humble Monthly granted is like, it's not that much money. It's so getting that is a really cheap way to get was was a really cheap way to get over. Yeah, I think I, maybe they're trying to 
get more people in on it and hopefully lead up to whatever. Yeah, I feel like the, the, the kind of person that they make a lot of money off of loot chests in that game, even though it's not, you don't really think about it because of their event systems. It, it encourages you. I don't want to say in a predatory way because I think it's pretty fair, but it does encourage you to, to buy loot boxes during the events so that you can get the event specific skins. Mm -hmm. It's certainly you're gonna more have to fair since they got rid of duplicates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, when there were duplicates, it was less fair. But, yeah. um, but, but yeah, that was annoying. <laughs> I guess I don't think it's predatory, uh, yeah, and, totally. at least. Um, but they do encourage you to buy loot boxes, not with any specific verbiage in the game, but but just by nature of like, you can only get this loot chest for a month, and once you've once it's the last week of the event, if you didn't get the skin you want, you may as well spend ten bucks and get some loot crates. So. They kind of encourage that, but I feel like the kind of person that's going to get it through Humble Monthly who didn't own it already is probably not the kind of person that's going to buy loot boxes at all in that game. Um, True. Uh, which isn't to say that like people who want to spend money in games don't have Humble Monthly. I mean, I have Humble Monthly, and I spend a lot of money on in-game transactions. But Same. <laughs> But we all also already owned Overwatch. So yeah. anyone who is holding out on it, I feel like they're not going to jump in and buy a bunch of loot boxes. Yeah, because um, Overwatch, right. Overwatch is old at this point. It's two years yeah, old. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like it's older than that because the beta was so long for it, too. That's true. Um, so I wonder, this is my dream scenario. It's probably not going to happen. I acknowledge that, you know, it's unlikely. My dream scenario is like this game has a bunch of unique characters with unique shooter mechanics. I would love it if every like six months for the next for eternity they would say all right 20 bucks you get a unique skin and a four-hour campaign with this character mm. and that's it oh, it doesn't have to be like big long like eight-hour game because i think it would get old playing the same character for too long because their care their mechanics aren't unique enough that a single player campaign with them would be fun for too long but if it was like 20 bucks for an expansion and then you could play tracers story for four hours. That would be so cool. And they could just like, there's so many characters they could just do that. It would add hundreds of dollars that they could charge in DLC for that game, but then make it something that it doesn't affect content for multiplayer at all. So it's not siloing anything. And, um, maybe the only thing that you get is a special skin for the multiplayer. Uh, I think that would be super cool. I don't know that they're going to do it. Yeah. But that's my, I mean, something along those lines would be, would be kind of rad. Um, it'd, it'd be nice to have more of that kind of single-player content. Um, I say as somebody that doesn't really like play multiplayer games, but likes Overwatch. So um, yeah, I and I and I would uh, pay all that money for that uh, for that diva story. Let me tell you. Exactly. Yeah, and I would totally spend twenty bucks every few to six months to to be able to do that. Um, that would be, that would be so cool to see more of the, the story. The only thing I would worry about with that is that I don't think blizzard has ever written a good story before. Um, like a single time there's elements of Warcraft story that are endearing for sure. And, um, there's elements of Starcraft story that are endearing. I think the Diablo story and lore is like, I, those games are great, but the, the, it's totally incomprehensible and silly and stupid, <laughs> yep. uh, is my opinion. Deckard Kane is a good character. That's about as, as much as I'll say about Diablo. Good thing uh, Sam's not here. <laughs> I know Sam and I would 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 have good hit, but I I have 
I'm very confident in my stance that Diablo's story is bad, so I'm happy to debate it with people. <laughs> um, it's just the whole story is angels bad, devils bad. They fight. People get caught in the middle. That's it. There is like that is the extent of Diablo's story. Um, and like Warcraft is has some okay moments and characters. Uh, it really it has very memorable characters and that's what makes wow kind of work i think um but then like i don't know starcraft was good for a while and then starcraft 2 went in really weird places so i'm a little bit hesitant to trust their narrative team to actually do justice to the characters that they've built with overwatch the way that they drip feed lore maybe is more uh, appropriate because they have obviously some of the best animators in the business but uh easily yeah yeah anyway I think a lot about Overwatch these days because it's got they got to be doing something. So, mm-hmm. Cheska and I had a really interesting conversation. Uh, I think it was actually yesterday. It's too bad she we couldn't invite her on to actually continue it. But as you know, she works in the game industry, mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking about how there's been a lot of studio closures and uh, just kind of weird news in the industry that way, and how it's kind of unstable. And there's mm-hmm. if you look at the Giant Bomb Facebook group, there's been posts about like, is are we headed for another crash kind of stuff. And while I don't think we're going for another crash, like one of the first things, the fir- one of the first examples I could think of, of uh, kind of like think about um, we had PUBG, then we had Fortnite, then we had all those derivative games. And ultimately, Bosky Studios got shut down because of that, you know, because uh, yeah. what's what, Radical Heights or whatever was just such a flop. Mm-hmm. And that was completely derivative. And we've had derivative games coming out on, you know, cell phones and stuff from uh, Chinese companies knocking off whatever, whatever the popular game of the month is. So that's nothing new, but it's getting more and more popular. And the first instance, big instance I could think of it was when people had the perception of Battleborn being the same thing as Overwatch. And that kind of like wrecked things for Gearbox a little bit because like that game got shut down within like a couple months. Well, if not shut down, then had like a very tiny player base. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And which just led me to think like recently we've had so many studio closures. We've had Carbine Studio uh, just this week, Capcom Vancouver, Telltale, Big Fish also this week. Uh, well, Big Fish just scaled down, but I don't know. Like, I feel like this is, this is bigger than Overwatch. It's bigger than all of that. Do you think that the Overwatch style of paid game with some free-to-play aspects as in like loot boxes and such is the way of the future or are we going to see the end of the $60 game in a few years or is it all going to be free-to-play? I don't think we're going to see the end of the $60 game anytime soon. Um, Mostly because stuff like Spider-Man and God of War were sold like crazy. So I, I think that there's still a market for that and but at the time, I think that we're coming, we're getting to the point where studio expectations for revenue are so high because of the budgets of some of these AAA games are so high that it's like, it, it, it's kind of unsustainable as yeah, it is like, right now. Like team um, sizes are like in the 300s in some places and like creating ooh. HD assets takes forever. Right. Like I remember, um, like, the first Tomb Raider reboot came out. It, it sold really well, but I, like it still was considered a quote unquote disappointment because it was the expectations were through the roof. Yeah. And I, don't, I just don't know if we're if 
if having those high expectations is um is in any way sustainable um i think uh, for starters i actually haven't paid 60 dollars for a game in a while i think that price point is kind of phasing out as i'm aware plenty of people do but like by which i mean i have bought deluxe editions of games like i have mm. bought i have spent a hundred dollars on a game multiple times this year and i've spent 20 30 ish 35 dollars on a game a bunch of times this year but i haven't actually bought a game at the 60 dollars price point for a while and i i know that plenty of people do plenty of people don't buy the deluxe editions but i i think that the way that the that tactics like you get to play it early and you get the bundled pass like hell i bought i got i got destiny forsaken this week and i got that with the annual pass because i figured like it's cheaper to buy it with the annual pass and i know i'm going to want to play destiny next year so i may as well just grab it because i'm here um and i think that the way that the that i think that's going to become continue to become more and more prevalent is like hey you could buy the base game but for a little bit extra you could get this this and this and i don't think i actually part of the reason i kind of feel good about buying those more expensive editions because even though i don't think that you necessarily get value out of like red dead is a great example i don't know that the hundred dollar edition of red dead actually includes an extra forty dollars of value in there i felt pretty comfortable with it in terms of like spider-man because you get the expansion pass but like God of War is another one. I bought the expensive version of God of War. It wasn't really worth it, I don't think, um, in the end. Uh, there's no DLC coming for that game. It was just like a digital comic and some themes and some extra in-game items that you stop using after a few hours because you get better stuff anyway. But I think that that's kind of the way that they're going to offset costs, rising costs of games. And I do think that you're going to see fewer and fewer of those kinds of AAA games. And if you look at when you look at like the PS2 and the Xbox and then into the Xbox 360 and PS3 era, most it felt like on release day, and I worked at GameStop during those eras, like it felt like when Tuesday rolled around, you would get one sequel game and then like a couple of mid tier, like B game kind of games. And then that weren't sequels to anything that were new IPs. And then one big AAA new IP. And it didn't, now it's like new IP is like non-existent. That doesn't happen. Like Anthem is the only, I can't think of other big AAA games from this year that were based on, that weren't based on an existing franchise. And Anthem isn't even out yet, obviously. And I'm sure it happened, but like. I'm, try, I'm like seriously trying to think of that. Uh, uh. These Happy Few doesn't count as AAA, right? Ah, uh, it's tough. I don't know that I would call it a triple A game. Um, but yeah, I'd say I, I, I totally get what you're be. saying though. Yeah. Like you, less and less, they have to put their, they have to invest in the sure things. Now the new stuff that even major studios are doing comes out as a smaller project. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's going to continue to be the trend, um, which is disappointing because I think that Octopath uh, Traveler. That's a good, that's, that is, yeah. yeah, that is one, but there you go. It's from Nintendo. Nintendo is far more likely to take, and it's not right. from Nintendo, I know, but it, it but it's, it's, a it's Nintendo, Nintendo exclusive. 
and you see that experimentation happen way more on Nintendo consoles than you do on other platforms. Yeah, um, Nintendo also does not really care about third parties. Like the Switch is a, mostly a Nintendo device. Yeah, right. Nintendo um, and indies and and stuff too. Because for me, my my Switch is mostly like indies machine. Right. I will be right back in like two minutes. You guys yeah. should keep talking about this. Though. Sounds good. Yeah. No, I think it's a really interesting topic though because it's. I, I feel like I don't want to be like fatalistic about it, but I feel like things are changing. Um, yeah. And the the one thing that is kind of getting to me is, is those uh, those expensive versions that have yeah, uh, you can play it early because that is very enticing for me being very impatient. Like this week, I was fighting myself to not buy the one hundred and ten dollar. It is in Assassin's Creed Odyssey oh, because I, I had a week and really wanted to play it. <laughs> so I'm just like, let me play this game now. I see it in the store, but I'm, I can't buy it. So I, I don't know if it's something that's necessarily going to influence me because I had that realization of, oh, this is an additional $50 that I could spend on other games. Yeah. But, it's, but I've seen that a lot more and it's a little... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think if you look at the trends in industries other than games that involve software, software as a service mm-hmm. is becoming such a huge thing. Like mm-hmm. Microsoft mm-hmm. Office, you can't really buy Word and stuff, uh, PowerPoint on its own. You have to get it in Office 365. Like, oh, no. Yeah. So, like, even like productivity software and professional software is moving away from having you purchase a boxed item and moving into something which is constantly updated and is, you know, like, uh, it's software as a service. And I think games are kind of the last bastion of buying a box and then, you know, that's the box forever. Right. And I I think, I mean, even when it comes to things like movies and television, like subscription services are such a big deal there mm-hmm. um a lot of people just don't buy physical copies of stuff anymore or or even buy digital copies of things they just either rent it or they watch whatever's on netflix or hbo or right. hulu or something so it's uh i i mean with stuff with like game pass becoming more of a push for microsoft i wonder if that's something that they're kind of considering Instead of instead of hey pay this this lump sum to uh, buy a game, pay us twenty bucks a month, yeah, and you get games. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily, you know, one hundred percent a fan of it, but I feel like whatever happens, like Nintendo's always going to do their own weird thing, and indie games are always there, so it'll it'll be fine. But it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be very interested in coming back to that topic in like two years. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, it's it's absolutely changed in the past five, and it's definitely going to be different in a right. shorter time period from from today. The thing that kind of makes me really intrigued is just how well the Spider-Man game did and how well God of War did, um, particularly because those are games that don't that really kind of buck that trend where they're very um, 
like you get the entire game when you pay the 60 bucks yeah and you, you there's there's gonna be an expansion and there's gonna be all the stuff but it doesn't feel similarly like games of service as a multiplayer game does or even as like assassin's creed where if you open up the menu there's literally a very easy button to go to the store and buy uh microtransactions and stuff so it's uh so i i it'll be interesting to see because i know that like spider-man in particular did so well that they're like oh we got to make more games like this and and i know that i'm going to buy the dlc for that which i don't know if i would necessarily for uh like assassin's creed odyssey i i I don't know if i'm going to be buying much dlc for that but right i'm I'm 100 percent gonna buy and play everything that spider-man has so but, it's 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 hard to say who was the i think it was a publisher that said this i can't remember who it was that basically said that the big single player experience those games are dead but then like obviously it, this year kind of disproved it but i forget who it was i think it might have been activision it, or ea yeah like one was of those he, two uh, it might have been like, EA, actually they, what, like when EA canceled that Star Wars game, maybe. Right. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like, but, they, but yeah, big publisher definitely said that. But then Spider-Man is like the fastest selling PlayStation 4 game, which replaced God of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, geez. Yeah, Spider-Man sold uh, 3.3 million copies in its first three days of release. <laughs> so, that's, that's actually pretty silly. Which, yeah. So... Like, I think that there is definitely a market for the single player games for, and you get everything for, and there's definitely a market for good games. And, uh, and I, I don't know if I wonder, like, part of me wonders if like, we're seeing this glut of, um, like the, uh, battle royale games like i totally forgot that phrase for a second um (laughs) with like PUBG and fortnite and but Mm -hmm. like like you mentioned with um radical heights it's like if some of those games don't uh like it being a game in that genre doesn't necessarily mean success i'm kind of wondering if that might also happen with the kind of games that game of service type Mm -hmm. games like like I think the biggest thing to see what what it'll be is how Anthem does because it definitely seems kind of sim- like doing some of that similar uh, vibe to Destiny and yeah. Yeah. I, it's just can how much of how many games of service games can the industry really support? Yeah, and I think the first the first wave of failures that we saw with that was MMOs. Like if you think about how successful Mm -hmm. wow was for years and then we had all these people chasing the wow money and then the old republic came out and it was just barely successful despite being one of the biggest franchises in the world and then Mm -hmm. like i think it was that same e3 like 2012 or 20 probably 2012 where they announced uh elder scrolls online (laughs) and like the reports were always you just heard people being like why are you making this like like people were actively just like 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 kind of throwing shade at them being like why (laughs) so i think that was like the first wave of kind of what we're talking about here but i feel like it's going to we're going to see pushback because the industry like if you look at steam it's so inundated with new games all the time like right like you can make the best game in the world but if you don't get discovered then like if you don't have the big marketing bucks if you don't have 
the word of mouth and all that kind of stuff, then it's just going to fall by the wayside, even if it's a fantastic game. Especially, too. I'm back. Uh, Hi. <laughs> Hi. Especially, that's something that I've been kind of thinking about a lot recently because, like, I've started to look at the Steam new releases mm-hmm. every week, which I never really did before because I, I mean, this is video games, are my biggest hobby. Like I, I, I look at game news every day. Mm-hmm. So it used to be like, I knew everything that was coming out. I, I could tell you off the dome what was coming out for the sure. next month every week. But like I looked on steam this week and there's like this, there's this vigilantes game. That's like a strategy RPG that looks kind of interesting. And I don't know what the quality of any of these games are or if they have any issues. Um, right. I haven't looked into all of them, but like there's this roguelite uh, VR game that came out that looks kind of cool. There's this game called I'm not a monster. That's like a mafia werewolf kind of game, <laughs> but multiplayer there's this, this, uh, the deep sky derelicts game that was made by, that's like put out by one C and made by this indie developer. Like these are all games that look interesting to me that I might check out. And right. I didn't know any of them were coming. Well, I mean, frankly, like if you didn't know uh, that Donut County was coming out, like it's entirely possible that game could have gotten overlooked. Like, and it's totally. really quality and has amazing writing. But if it hadn't had like you know the word of mouth of like you know the designer worked on mm-hmm. these other games, then no one would have seen it. I mean, like, I'm very much the same as you looking at new releases and being like, I have no idea what this is. Like, as much of a joke as it was very start of this year, I picked up Dump in the Dark because I was looking through new and just being like, I have no idea what this is. Let's just try it. And like, yeah, I feel like not a lot of people actually do that, which is which is which is the scary part for for a developer. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and on the one hand, I definitely understand that this is kind of like we're just getting inundated inundated with games on like Steam, and I've seen this a lot on the Switch Store too. Mm, um, yeah. But at the same time, I'm kind of happy that so many people are able to make their own games, and that they are getting able they are able to distribute them, even if it's not necessarily. I mean, everybody would agree that the Steam's not the best uh, curation system by far. But mm. I, I mean, I, I'm. I'm, I feel like, in general, the fact that the bar is getting lower for to make their games and there is overall a good thing, even if there's some quirks in getting it, uh, getting the curation system or getting Steam right. Sure. Yeah, I think it's just a, a like we are people who look into like we are people who are really invested in the industry even and pay attention to a lot and we didn't know like or i didn't know that some of these games were releasing so imagine if you're like just someone who plays games as a hobby and maybe like has steam installed on their laptop which Mm -hmm. is still the majority of people playing games on the platform it's it's not majority of people are buying a couple of games maybe every few months um Mm -hmm. on the platform and then when you extend that out to like the console space like I couldn't even begin to tell you what what's new that's not a major AAA game on Xbox One, for example, because like they just don't really surface it. Um, and now it's games are so expensive to just make. Who has the money to like pay to market them to outside of AAA studios? And even they can't seem to like it's. I don't even know that it's sustainable at that scale either. Um, I mean, go back to Bosky. 
<laughs> exactly. That was like yeah. some of the best developers in the industry or some of the most seasoned developers in the industry and they but, went down. Same with Telltale. I also think there's something to be said for, and this is not really to speak to the Telltale. Um, for, first of all, if your studio is going to close, you know that with enough time to warn your employees and there's right. no excuse for not doing that. So, mm-hmm. and I'm never, it's never a good thing for people to lose jobs either. So that's not at all what I'm getting at with the, what I'm, what I'm going to say, but like in the case of Bosky, um, the lawbreakers was mm-hmm. fine. I played it a fair bit. Actually, I probably played five or six hours of it. It was okay. It was not unique or original or interesting at totally. really at all. And so they poured everything into this game that was really well designed, but that wasn't worlds better than something like Overwatch and certainly wasn't that unique. So to some extent, like in my ideal universe, we everyone would be able to make exactly the game they want and live a sustainable, healthy life while doing that. But I don't know that a society exists where that will work, even if it's not capitalistic. And so like, there's a part of me that's like, you, you do still have to, your studio has to produce something that's, that, that holds value to people. And, and that's harsh and not a fun thing to think about. And it also doesn't mean that any one person working on a project is not good at what they do. If they put out something that's either unoriginal or not good, but like it, it's tough because like it, Capcom, Capcom Vancouver is a good example of this. Like I know that there are some people that enjoyed the last Dead rising game, but if you look at how those games performed critically and the word of mouth around them, they didn't seem like they were really setting the world on fire. They seemed pretty meh. So does that mean that people should lose their jobs? No, I don't want people to ever lose their jobs, but you do kind of have to think about like, you still have to make a good game too like if you put out stuff that's not great i don't none of us want to mourn the death of a studio but i would also say that this that studios gotta you still have to put something out that's good too you know and that's the harsh reality of it that sucks that's hard to kind of consider but that kind of has to be considered too right or yeah, it's 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 tough, and there's like always the weird like mathematics that you just never know what's going to pay off. Basically, because I, I mean, like it, it's it's hard to say whether going off and doing your own thing, regardless of uh, what happens, is going to make the money, or if uh, following the trends going to make the money. And I mean, like like you said, you don't want to necessarily say they all have to be about making money but at the at a certain point you know you gotta pay your devs yeah that's really what i'm getting to is is not so much right. like make me a good game because i don't want to spend money on a bad game it's not that's not my point my point is more that like mm-hmm. you have to pay your staff is really where i'm getting right. to is like mm-hmm. you have to make money to pay your staff and um there, you can't you can't make money on a bad product and usually a bad product isn't the result of bad staff it's the result of bad right. management really yep. bad bad management of teams mm-hmm. bad management of resources so i don't know i sometimes i look at studios like um well like like uh, uh, gearbox is a great example battleborn didn't need to be made battleborn wasn't good and it didn't i i bought one of the expensive editions of battleborn because i really like 
the concept of, of of like shooter MOBA mingling. So I played a lot of that game and it just wasn't very good. And and it wasn't very good because it didn't need to happen. Like it was a very clear like this game is ill-conceived and misguided from the jump. And I mean, you, you could say that about a lot of Gearbox games. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's what I'm saying. And so, like, that does, does that mean that I want people at Gearbox to lose their jobs? Absolutely not. I don't right. want to see people out of work. But mm-hmm. And does that mean that I think that the people that work at Gearbox are bad at their jobs? No. But I think sometimes you, when you have people, and I don't know everything about the structure of Gearbox, but, like, Randy Pitchford still seems pretty engaged in directing the projects of this, not directing them on a creative level, but directing them on a very high, like we're going to make a game that's about this. We're mm-hmm. going to make a new borderlands. We're going to make a game. That's like a MOBA shooter. Um, and I'm sure he doesn't come up with all those concepts on his own. I'm sure there's internal pitches and all that. That's how studios tend to work. But sometimes when you have someone who's like really engaged on the, on the business side of a thing and really engaged in picking projects, that seems to be a dangerous combination that leads to some weird, maybe misguided things happening at studios. Um, I think that was probably the case at telltale too, from what I've heard about the way their management was shaken up. They had bad management that was replaced by people who had been at the company for a long time in creative roles but they maybe weren't the best at managing the company and managing its resources. So it's an interesting problem and I don't know really how to solve it because games are a very unique kind of art where creatives are empowered at a business level. Like if you're like a band, it's not, it's, it's, it's harder to make it cause there's more of you, but like, you don't have to think about the business as much when you're making your art, I guess. Like you can play music in your garage and make incredible music. Whereas with, with games, it's so time consuming to write code and to build engines and stuff like that. It seems like it's, it's harder. You need more support from a business perspective than you do in a lot of other art forms, I guess, if that makes any sense. And I don't know. I mean, to an extent, but there are all those games too, that, um, where there are people who are just making games on their own. And granted, that's not going to be the same thing as a, necessarily a AAA game, but yeah, that's, it's definitely that's a different thing. Recording out of, but, but also, but a band recording out of their garage isn't going to be necessarily the same thing as somebody that has like a full studio backing. Yeah. Um, although the, the gap is, is not that wide anymore with music. Right. You make really professional sounding right. music in your home studio. I mean, you need more investment for sure than just having like an A track in your garage, but but you can make, you know, EDM music that technically sounds the same as Odessa in your in your basement if you know how to use the tools effectively in a studio that costs maybe a couple thousand dollars. So, whereas with video games, I feel like I am a big fan of what indie developers put out. So this is not a criticism of indie games, and I don't think that they're anything less than AAA experiences, but something like Donut County, the scale of that game is very different than something like Assassin's Creed. Well, right. Um, but, but I mean, but but not necessarily by purchase, I guess, because I'm just thinking of stuff like um, uh, Stardew Valley or Undertale that have really in, really captured a lot of people and have become really big. Yeah. And granted, not at the same level of something like Fortnite or whatever, but 
I, th- I think that there is still potential for games to be made by very small teams that still grab a lot of people. Oh, yeah. I'm not arguing that. I think that those are more sustainable, if anything, because mm-hmm. Donut County doesn't need to sell 10 million units to be able to fund uh, his next game. Like, right. they only need to support three people, I think, is the total number of people that worked on that game. And, and, and uh, like, Stardew Valley is a great example, too. Like, the developer of that game, I forget his name, but it was, like, one guy who made 90% of that game. So he, the fact that it blew up like it did means that he has tons of finances now to make his next project and that's great um like something like assassin's creed uh, it's probably like a thousand people worked on that game when you think of the number of studios at ubisoft that touch those games and so they have to sell enough copies to support the livelihoods of all of those people and that's right. when you start seeing like is a 60 dollar game really gonna even if it sells twice as much 10 times as much as stardew valley can a 60 dollars game support that many people as opposed to something like stardew valley that costs a third of the price and sells to a third of the people but it's only one guy that it needs to support and that's that's or is i mean sorry i was just gonna say there's the biggest example i can think of is basically the first early access game that i can think of also is minecraft minecraft yeah sure because because notch Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. yeah so but but again i think it comes down to discoverability and how inundated services are like steam and this actually makes me really i've talked about this in our chat before but i really want to invite my friend who's a professional streamer on uh because we actually were talking about discoverability just this morning because she uh she's a very good streamer she has extremely high production values uh like she's really good at what she does and she's been doing it for like five years now but uh, she started streaming a lot of Path of Exile and saw like her daily stream viewers go down by like sixty percent or more, uh, just because you know like she as a streamer like not even like it's kind of ancillary to the actual video game development uh, side of things. She has to you know keep trends in mind and think oh if I stream Hearthstone like even though I don't really want to play Hearthstone like I'm gonna get. 50 to 100 percent more viewers like yeah right and it's it's just such an interesting problem discoverability oh for sure i mean i think that's also interesting on the streaming front too because i've kind of been dabbling in streaming lately and like Mm -hmm. granted it's just me doing it just kind of for i'm playing a game on my pc why not so i don't really necessarily care for it to become my livelihood but at the same time you just start thinking like okay, I am starting from scratch. How do you get people to find you? It's like, it's a really hard, it's a really, really hard um, thing. And I, and I imagine that like a lot of people are struggling with that, especially with game, like indie devs. If you like putting your game on steam doesn't necessarily mean it's going to do, it's going to sell well, if at all, like I, I, and I, I think there's an easy parallel to draw across multiple industries. Like we were talking about with totally like, like with you, Pat, you were just mentioning with music, you can get Reaper for free and produce 100% professional sounding music. You can download OBS for free and start streaming today. You can download unity right now and start making your own game. Like the tools have finally gotten to a place where they're accessible and the learning materials, you can go to Google and learn how to code C sharp really basically and get started in unity today. 
Uh, like you can download plugins that are going to make it way easier for you, all that kind of stuff. So creating the art is has the barrier to entry there has gotten way lower, especially when you compare it to like the 90s when uh, to <laughs> make a game was well you had to innovate and you had to make everything yourself because the standards weren't set but now we kind of have standards and we have protocol if you want to think of it that way like we have defined ways of this is how you do ray tracing this is how you do hit scanning on a weapon and stuff like that like the stuff that john carmack came up with in the 90s so it's really hard to innovate and because the tools are so easily accessible it means anybody can do it but yeah it's it's not a problem inherent to just the games industry. It's anything creative. Totally. And I think it's the, 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 the problem that is unique to the games industry is while it is not hard to get started, when you look at the costs of, to go back to music again, if you look at like, we'll say AAA music, like, like we'll talk, we'll say like somebody like Ariana Grande, for example. Yeah, Drake, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or Drake. Yeah. It's another good example. These are people who the entirety, all of the cost in, in making their music as popular and, um, and, and like well-known as it is, is comes from a marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. It costs Drake nothing at this point to record an album. I mean, it's his time, which that's not that. I mean, there's, it's not labor shouldn't be free. You shouldn't think of, of, of that as, as nothing, I guess, but it's the the actual like money changing hands in a business sense comes from marketing completely. Um, and the, the struggle I think when it comes to games is while you can get started and you can make something genuinely cool and interesting on your own, um, without any funding from a, from a big publisher, it is just, and maybe it'll get there someday. There is, there is no way that a single person in their free time could build Red Dead Redemption 2 or Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Forza Horizon 4. But that's the same thing with like the film industry too. Totally. Like nobody can make Avengers Infinity War by themselves. Whereas there are a lot of movies that are being shot on iPhones now. So it's, you know, there is that still. Right. But I guess the 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 thing the point that i'm kind of trying to make and this is true of film as well is that the not in terms of music the biggest cost to promoting a drake album is marketing but to make something like red dead redemption 2 you need five years of development time with hundreds of people working on it on top of a marketing budget to make sure that people know about it and that's not the best example because everyone knows what rockstar does but for for something like uh Something like even even like Forza Horizon Four. If Microsoft didn't spend money on marketing that game, we might know about it. But like, they have to sell that game to people at Target. They have to sell that game to people who watch football on Sunday, like who don't even know necessarily what Forza is. So to do that, they have to spend a ton of money on marketing, and that's where I don't know how sustainable AAA development is right now. And I don't. I. It'll be interesting to see how these studios continue to make money, especially places, people like EA and Microsoft first party, when they're moving to these subscription based services where they're selling you their games as part of a package. Um, I don't know. It's, it'll be, it'll be, it's, I'm really curious to see how Forza will, who knows what we'll actually get in terms of information, but I'm curious to see how Forza does for Microsoft 
financially because it's an expensive game and they're offering it at a crazy deal so (laughs) on that note how is horizon Mm. i it's i think it's the best driving game i've ever played um i think it's wait that's wait wait that's a big statement (laughs) it is a big statement but i mean i would have said burnout paradise is my favorite driving game prior to that um and then i we've talked about it kind of jokingly but i genuinely do midtown madness is one of my favorite driving experiences ever too totally um forza is just there's going to be people who hear that and say like, no way, man, burnout paradise. It's not, it's got nothing on burnout. I played burnout paradise remastered. It's still a fantastic game, but the, the ways that Forza simplifies discoverability and accessibility are so extreme that you can always find something to do within two minutes of booting up Forza. And it feels meaningful. It's, it's just like, it's, really 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 fantastic um it, just, it seems like the best blend of arcadey to semi yes because the handling model i think a misconception about forza horizon that a lot of people have is that it is a more arcadey game than forza motorsport that's actually not true the driving model is the same between both games um it defaults to uh more well actually anymore i don't even think this is true Early on, I believe the assist defaulted to a, a more arcadey version than Motorsport, but now I'm pretty sure the base is the same on both games. But like, you can turn off traction control, you can turn off ABS, you can set steering to simulation steering, so it feels like you're, it's simulating the the physics model more directly. You can turn on manual transmission. You, I mean, it, it, you yeah. can make it as much of a sim as Motorsport is, and so, Motorsport is very a sim, very much a sim. So someone could play this with either a controller or a steering or a racing yeah. wheel. Yeah, you, you can plug a Fanatec racing wheel in with a clutch and and, a, and an H shifter, and uh, and and like have a racing seat and play this game with the same degree of accuracy and realism that you could play for its Motorsport. Um, yeah, it's got all that under the hood. It, it has the entirety of motorsports handling model built into this larger open world setting. That's yeah, that's super appealing. I'm looking to get into it soon. Uh, I'm going to activate my game pass sometime <laughs> soon. I, I love and, that. Like three of us are all activating our game pass at once just so we can play Forza. I mean, it's the most compelling reason to try game pass that has happened since the service launched. Um, I mean, I, I kind of enjoyed sea of thieves. I keep meaning to check it out again because they've added a bunch to it, but, uh, but Forza is like, like a complete, I, I don't know. It, it might be my game of the year, even at this mm-hmm. point, like I, I, I have gotten so much out of it, um, that it almost, even though there, it doesn't have the kind of narrative brilliance of something like God of war, uh, it almost doesn't need it. Cause it's just so fun to play. And it just always feels good to play. I'm the kind of person that I get obsessive about, completing certain things in games and sometimes i get frustrated if they're kind of hard but forza i haven't gotten i've gotten frustrated at my inability to do things sometimes but i've never gotten angry at the game and i've never and and i've always like loved it when it's a challenge and that's cool that's that's like not a normal thing for me at all um to like want to push myself the way that this game invites you to and stuff uh, i mean i mean i remember you talking kind of positively about a flawed game with uh the crew too and right yeah like 
like this seems like every, any issue you could have possibly had with the crew too has been addressed in here. Oh yeah. This game is light years. It, I mean, <laughs> it really puts the crew two to shame when you put these two games next to each other, the crew two looks like a terrible game yeah. for sure. And I am someone who enjoyed that game. Um, especially cause horizon. I mean, it doesn't have boats or planes, but it has multiple disciplines too. It's not just road racing. It has off road races. It has drift, drift, stuff it has drag stuff it has everything that you would want and it does it beautifully and things like drift the drift club stuff is a great example um i bash my head against a wall to 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 get to the point where i had three stars on every drift challenge Mm -hmm. and to do that you have to it's not like in the crew you drift by equipping a drift car and then turning that's it, it, it. There's no physics at play. It just is like drift cars drift. It's like you're playing um, Ridge Racer. In in Forza, there are drift cars, but they're drift cars because they're literally tuned in the simulation to be the kinds of cars that in real life you would use to drift. Right. And so it is easier to make them drift, but only if you understand the physics behind how drifting works, which is the thing they explain to you in the drift club is how drifting works. And I found that oh, I needed to turn off traction control in order to actually get the drifts that I needed to get to get three stars. And once I did that, I started to understand then like how feathering the throttle and the emergency brake contributed to drifting. And using the pedal brake with the emergency brake and the throttle affects the physics and handling of the car. That's just like, it's so cool. And it leads you to understanding how driving simulation works on a deeper level. But the best part is that you could completely ignore all of that, leave all the assists on, mm-hmm. get one star through the drift challenges, see them all, have fun. And the game doesn't make you feel like you're missing out because of it. It's not like mm-hmm. you're, it punishes you for not wanting to engage with it on a deeper level. If you just want to drive around and have fun, it's still good for that. That for I don't know why this came to mind, but this kind of sounds like the Saints Row the Third of driving games for me <laughs> like obviously yeah, it's not maybe. the same silly story and everything like that but one of the things about saints row third is i did every side mission because mm-hmm. like at some point i was so enthralled with the world and the attitude and everything in there that i was just like yeah i want to do all of this and this sounds like the driving equivalent of that totally and yeah and that's... I... oh sorry go ahead that seems like actually a really good comparison because i did the same thing with saints row the third two as well as saints row four mm-hmm. uh, and like and and now with spider-man like if if you make the act of traversal really fun if you make the act of just doing various things around the world fun then it'll make the make you compelled to actually do all the other stuff yeah totally and and sorry go ahead please they do smart things too, like little things like the, the, one of the big things in the horizon series is the barn finds. They're like, (laughs) they're like old beat up cars that you find in a barn and they give you the, the general location of them. And then you have to go find them. And it used to be that you just had to like, it could be that the barn is hidden in a copse of trees and you have to drive over there and squeeze your way through the trees to get to it or whatever. Now you have a drone that you get early on in the game you can what you do when you get to the barn find spots is you pop the drone out the drone flies around freely you find the barn with the drone and then you drive over to it like little things like that you still get that sense of discovery and feeling but they cut out the frustrating irritating parts that it used to have of trying to maneuver a nissan 350z around (laughs) a bunch of desert to try to find a barn now you just pop your drone out and go find it um so there's just a lot of smart stuff like that and then none of that says anything about like all of the the pve and pvp 
stuff, the co-op stuff, the, the trials, which are like kind of like race car raids that change every week. And all of that live game stuff that, 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 that there's different, the seasons really do give you a whole range of new experiences every time that they, they change. It's mm. just so perfect in, in all kinds of ways. I don't know how they would, I almost wonder if Forza Horizon 5 is going to be a disappointment to a lot of people because when that game finally happens, I don't know what they do to this to make it different other than set it in a new location. And I feel like people are going to expect some kind of reinvention of the series next time. And I, I don't know what they could do. <laughs> I think the next time we see a Forza Horizon game, it'll be on new consoles. I agree. So, right. th- so they'd have to change something up pretty drastically if they're, if they're going yeah. to a completely new platform. Though yeah. that being said, one of the, uh, this is unrelated. It's related to Forza Horizon, but unrelated to Forza Horizon. Uh, I think Microsoft is doing the best thing in the industry right now by allowing totally. you to have cross or like cross buy basically between your PC and your Xbox. Like I never owned an Xbox oh, 360, sure. and uh, there's so many games I wanted to play, and I still don't own an Xbox One. But the fact that I can play all the games that I would want to have played from that platform on the PC is like the greatest thing. It's so good because <laughs> someone who bought, like I got the Xbox one X on their, mm-hmm. on their, you know, payment plan thing that they introduced. Yep. And I've been so happy with it because it's having the ability to plop down on the couch and play Forza in 4k is awesome. Um, but then also like when my partner wants to play a game on the TV, the ability, the fact that I can sit at my desk still and, drop into Forza to do my dailies or whatever and play it there on PC is also is amazing. It's I've been doing a lot of playing back and forth between the systems and it works. It's yeah, like, I, it, I it, think Microsoft it, has totally nailed that. Yep. Oh, for sure. And, and I, I think doing that in addition to, um, game pass is really great too, because I, um, like I have a PC that's like, not quite gaming PC, but kind of, you know, middle, middling range. Like, yeah, yeah. it has, it has a dedicated uh, graphics card. It's probably, it's like the best laptop I could find for under a thousand dollars. So like, that's, that's the level of, so I, for most AAA games, I tend to go console. Um, So, because it's, it's kind of a crapshoot, whether I'll prefer it on my PC or not, but with this, it's with game pass, it's just like, Oh, I can, I, I want to play Forza. I can give it a shot, and it might actually like make me think. Hmm, maybe in the future I'd want to get an Xbox. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, um, but I, I think that it is. It like with the that simultaneously is going to get people to try more games, which, yeah, is, I mean, which is cool. It, it's kind of replacing the demo, but giving you the full game. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, for I, sure. So. The only thing I think that they could be doing better and push for even bigger uh, is like I am probably not going to play Odyssey for a little bit, but I am planning on trying to play it at some point this year. I'm playing Origins again right now because I never got through that game. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be really cool if I could buy Odyssey on Xbox One X and be able to play it on PC as well, um, which they Mm -hmm. don't have that play anywhere stuff with with uh, third party games yet. And that would be really right. cool because like they do operate a store where you're buying games on PC. It would be nice if I could just, um, even if, even if I couldn't, even if I couldn't get the game for free on PC, if I could at least transfer a save, not that I necessarily would want to spend full price on both versions, but 
just some kind of interplay there so that I could, I could know that like, oh, I'm buying it on Xbox, but if I ever want to play it on PC, I can carry my progress over would be nice. Yeah, um, I agree. But maybe so that's, like maybe, that. maybe that is eventually something we will see. I mean, I think it is. Yeah. The, the, within the past week, was it this week that, uh, Sony said, okay, fine, we'll do the, we'll do the cross play. Like, was that this week or was that last week? It was really know. recent though. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. W- with that kind of stuff happening, I could see origin and you play and those kind of services being like, yeah, if you own it on our service, then sure you can access it on this device. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I have to imagine that you're going to see pushes from people like Rockstar to allow cross-platform play and stuff like GTA or uh, GTA Online and and Red Dead Online more, which is more relevant right now. Yeah. I'd be um, interested in seeing if Blops lets you do it. Yeah, I don't see why you. I mean, that seems like a big one to to like you would want to be able to do that. Uh, I, I think that that that's sort of the future, and I think that Microsoft recognizes it in a way that is uh, is pretty encouraging. Um, and hopefully, they'll be leading the charge there. I would love to see them work to emulate more backwards compatible games on the PC through Windows. Sure. Um, yeah. I think that would be a really cool thing to see. Uh, I think there's, so I think there's room for them to move still. I don't think they're necessarily done, but I think that the service as it stands is really good. Game pass is really good and worth it. Um, especially when you factor in that you can buy it in chunks of time. Um, you're, it's not necessarily just a 14 day or $14 a month subscription. You can go and just buy a year of it and then, that's only the cost of like a couple of games to buy it for a year. And then you have access to all that stuff. Yep. And if, uh, just so you know, if you go to cdkeys.com, I think not sponsored, you can get a month of it for like $2. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Like, so it's like almost nothing. Yeah. Anyways, how's Assassin's yeah. Creed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna say, that was a good segue. <laughs> Oh, the last thing I'll say, people should also check out Heath Signature was on sale. I think it may or, not, may or may not be still on sale. I've played some of that. That's really good. Uh, but that's, and Assassin's Creed Origins is good, but we can talk about that after we talk about Odyssey. Yeah. Heath Signature oh, is good. I, actually, I thought we were transitioning over to Origins, not Odyssey. Uh, oh, I guess oh. the uh, thing of us all playing Assassin's Creed now. Yeah, I mean, Origins is good. I, I can say that I, I'm replaying it. The, the I said in the pre-show, like the combat isn't as uh, grabbing me really um, this time out. I'm having a really hard time. I can't time countering for the life of me. I can't seem to like. And I'm, I'm I've played every single Assassin's Creed game, so like I've 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 been around this block a lot. And Origins totally changed the combat system, but I've done their counter timing forever, and I can't. Even in the tutorial, it took me like four t- tries to try to actually counter something. Um, and I really don't like the way that the camera moves around in combat in Origins. It's just bad. Um, but uh, but otherwise, the game is gorgeous still, and uh, the characters are super likable. And um, I'm not really any farther in the story than I got before, but the story is very, very good and um, very uh, well told. Um, so, yeah environment design is really cool too but i'm interested to hear your thoughts on odyssey yeah me too i i I remember the first thing you said in our group chat allison was it's freaking enormous (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh, yes. So um, I, I think a lot of people have, with the thing with Odyssey that a lot of people have been talking about as both a positive and a negative is just how big the game is. And it's, see, you know, I thought people said, okay, yeah, like I assumed this is going to be a large game. So I pulled up the map and I thought, yeah, that looks pretty big. And then I realized I still had a ways to zoom out. And I was like, holy shit, this game's big. And even then, I still had ways to uh scroll on the map which so i was really only looking at like maybe a third of it so it's it's very 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 big um that said i actually think that the scope of it makes a whole lot of sense um especially since this game really seems to be going for a the kind of greek epic in in the vein of the odyssey it, you kind of want this game to be big um because i'm not super far yet uh i've only played a few hours of it so far um but they've are like pretty early on they were uh already um name dropping odysseus they were talking about the odyssey like going like over alien? some of the yeah, going cool. over some of the stories of, like, specifically in the Odyssey, of, like, oh, Metacyclops went to, um, like, Skelecribidus, like, like it's it's really like, so I feel like the scale of it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but I feel like if you're gonna play the game, you got you know that you're getting into kind of a big experience. Um, but it's, so far, I'm really liking it. Uh, it did take a little bit of while, a little bit for it to really click for me. And I think a part of that is because um, it, it does take a while for the story to kind of the big, the first big story hook to really kick in. Like when the, it, it took a couple of hours actually for the first real thing in the story for me to go, oh shit, I need to play this more. Like, which is granted, um, that's in terms of how long this game is going to be. That's not very much, but it, it is hard to tell people, hey, in the, like once you play a couple hours of it, it will grab you. But um, I think that in general, it's, it's feeling really fun to play. Um, it feels like a very, like the, uh, I, I feel like I already said this with Spider-Man, whereas I feel like Spider-Man was the like kind of culmination of a lot of open world things. I feel like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is in a way too, um, just maybe with a different scale, just because of how big it is and how um, how like all of the mechanics work. But um, like Pat said, I'm not really getting as into the combat. I've heard it's pretty similar to the combat in Origins, but I have I never actually played Origins, so um, who can say? But it's. Uh, coming off of Spider-Man and dipping back into God of War, which I still need to finish. It's, it's not quite there, but I think it mostly is trying to encourage you to be stealthy or uh, at least wants to. And again, I don't know if I quite like it as much as Spider-Man stealth, but that's because Spider-Man stealth has you know, your superhero abilities, which you definitely don't have here. So it, it makes sense. But at the same time, I'm like, It'd be so nice if I could just web zip over there and uh, use and use my webs, and then it makes me want to play Spider Man again. <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm I'm legitimately really interested in getting to more of the story um, and getting kind of more out into the open world. Uh, the big boat recently, and it's very fun to 
do that because naval combat is back. Uh, and uh, I, I, I have a weird weakness for sailing in video games. So I'm just like, I'm on the open water and I'm in a boat and that makes me really excited. Um, I'm mm -hmm. playing as Cassandra, who's the female protagonist, and she is so cool. Yeah. I love her so much. It's Cassandra uh, okay. or Alexios, right? Right. Um, yeah. And I'm, since I'm still really early on, it's going to be interesting to see where that story goes. But both Cassandra and Alexios are characters within the game. Um, but okay. I, I'm, I, yeah, so I, I don't know where it's going to go, but it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. But Cassandra is really fun and she has a really cool personality but there's now that there's dialogue choices you can kind of uh uh make her more of the whatever personality you want to so i kind of i've been trying to go for the lot of the more kind of snarky responses whenever <laughs> i can find them uh the and renegade it, options uh, so not quite renegade. Like I, I wouldn't say that. Like there are there are definitely choices that you can make, um, but I don't know if they're necessarily um, that same level of you know Paragon or Renegade. Sure, uh, sure. There, there's no meter in the game for that, which is probably for the best. Um, but uh, but no, but it's it, but it's fun kind of uh, maker. Uh, that kind of person that personality you want and in general the game so far has a lot of personality um like the island that you start out on an island that you've is basically uh you've been living for quite some time so you you pretty much it's a small island so you pretty much know everybody and there's just this real sense of lived inness with the people where you run into people and you're like oh hey it's you and uh and, and there's just there's just a really big sense of personality from this game which uh, I don't know if I've always gotten from like all the characters in Assassin's Creed. Like, there, there's definitely personalities there, and there's definitely characters that I've really loved. But I don't know if it's quite to the same level of the way that I felt with Cassandra so far. So that's been nifty. Um, the other thing that's kind of cool is uh, the game um, has what is basically the nemesis system. Um, uh, it's not quite the same as the Nemesis system in the uh, Shadow of Mordor games, but uh, it basically, there are these kind of big enemies that pop up um, that, that are uh, basically mercenaries out to kill you. <laughs> um, and it, so they you can kind of already see um, in the menu, there's this, these tiers of powerful uh, mercenaries that are out, uh, if, and if you have a bounty on your head, they'll be kind of constantly after you. Um, so pretty early on in the game, there's there's a bounty on your head that you can only get rid of with um, killing the bounty hunter. Um, but there are also, but from what I understand, you can also pay off your bounty in later in the game. So that's so you can kind of decide how much of that you want. But uh, once that bounty's on your head, you have to kind of either avoid person or, and they all have their own specific weaknesses and things like that. So it's not quite, um, I don't know if it's quite the same level as that uh, 
um, nemesis system, but it's, it is pretty cool. Um, so you can see, oh, there's this this guy who has a reputation. So you know these couple of things about how to more easily beat him. Or but but they can be pretty tough. Uh, and it starts one where it's level five, and, you're, and I don't know if there's any way that you can beat it before you hit level five. It would be pretty significantly difficult um so like i tried and it and he immediately like killed me within two hits uh when i was trying with level three or something so um it is definitely a challenge but i but it was kind of a a fun battle so it's uh it it feels like there's a lot um like i said i'm only maybe four or five hours into it because i uh just played some earlier today and a little bit yesterday. Um, but I, I, I think it's a really nifty game and I'm excited to see what, where this game goes um, because um, it feels kind of like that. Um, like I said, just kind of that culmination of a lot of uh, open world adventure game running around. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a cool game. Yeah. From, but from an outsider looking in, like, knowing that it is that enormous and kind of, I guess, ambitious. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how they do another Assassin's Creed game next year. Uh, like, uh, next year, they're taking a break. They, they've announced that already? Yeah. Okay, good. Because um, <laughs> it already feels like they've inundated their own market by having this come out directly after Origins. Right. It's going to be interesting to see how it does with considering how big Origins was. Um, I certainly wouldn't... Like I've seen people say, I'm just, like like Pat, you're still working on Origins and you don't necessarily want to buy it right away, which is totally understandable. Um, I, I to- like if I was playing, if I played Origins earlier this year, I probably would go. Well, I don't know if I need Odyssey, but I, mean, um, <clears throat> I think they're trying to. Uh, I, from what I, it se- it seems like they're not making it as much of a yearly game anymore, which is probably for the best with definitely. things at this scale. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Origins is also a massive game. I, I think that Odyssey sounds like it's bigger, but Origins was huge. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's especially when you factor in the DLCs that came out for it, it it's really, really big. Um, so I would hope that they would continue, they would let this game breathe some. It sounds like the kind of thing mm-hmm. that really needs, they need to give people time to play it. Uh, and and right. I I don't know where the series would go next. I think there's still a lot of options. Um, I, I personally imagine they'll probably set one in Japan. I know they've said a n- numerous times they're not going to do that, mm-hmm. but there's direct references to Japan in Odyssey that seem to indicate that, and that's how they they've always teased uh, the next location in previous games, like uh, in in Syndicate. Um, there's a character that in the DLC you help him get on a boat to Egypt, which was like the teaser for mm-hmm. it to be Egypt. There's like there's 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 notes about uh, pirate gold in Assassin's Creed Three. Uh, in Assassin's Creed Two, I believe there was some, not in Two, but in um, either Brotherhood or Revelations, there was a nod to the revolution at some point. So they always tease the next location, and I I, I know there's direct references to Japan in Odyssey. So. I would imagine that that will be their next target, but I would hope that that's the origins team and that it takes a little bit longer. I think it's also, I would totally be on board for these teams. I understand that 
Um, Odyssey has maybe been a little bit more divisive than Origins in terms of people liking it, but Origins is like super, super fucking grim and and uh, heavy in a way that. Mm. So like, I've played every game in the series. I three is my least favorite, bar and away. Um, I think it's I think it's awesome that they featured a Native American protagonist. Um, and I think that the the actor that portrays him does a really good job of portraying him. I just think that that game suffers because it's so he's so angry all the time. Um, Did they ever make reference to like Connor or Ezio or anybody like that in these newer games? Um, so they t- they absolutely do in four. Um, for for you're playing as Edward Kenway, who is who, who Connor is Connor Kenway. Um, his Connor's dad was Haytham. Gotcha. Um, Haytham is Edward's son. I can't remember for sure how they're related, but they're related. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Rogue, which is a fucking fantastic game that people should play. It is. it is the best game in the series before Origins, or at least before Syndicate. Um, uh, okay, I was gonna say like I'm gonna, I'm gonna rep say Syndicate here. I love Syndicate. I think I like I think having played all of those games last year, I think I like Rogue more than Syndicate. But it's enough that I would allow for some just like preference there in terms of like the yeah. setting. But but Rogue is awesome. Um, and Rogue you play as a Templar that is directly related to Haytham. You you Haytham Kenway is like the the Templar master that inducts you. And then uh, in Syndicate. Um, I don't think there are direct ties in unity is tied into to both rogue and Assassin's Creed four as well. Unity is also just fine. Now they fixed all the problems with it. Um, Syndicate is where I think they started to break a little bit from the, the characters being directly related to each other. Um, Syndicate is also the first time that I think that in the meta story, you're not playing as one of Desmond's, relatives that's he's somehow related to i believe jacob and evie are totally like they're from like somebody else's dna line that they don't really go into who they're from um and in origins as far as i know they might altair might get referenced at some point but they still reference the past characters and desmond in the out of animus stuff but like i don't believe bayek is related to those characters at all he i guess he could be related to altair but yeah i don't i don't think so it, it would cool. be it would be a big surprise if cassandra and uh so, alexios are in any way related because uh i, I don't want to necessarily spoil things but the dna is definitely not gotten from desmond no um however and i don't want spoilers either so you're free to hand wave me uh but I will say that Greek and Egyptian cultures were pretty intermingled. Um, right. And it's during the actually origins takes place at the time that that is kind of beginning to occur. Um, like mm-hmm. Caesar is in that game. One of the Caesars is in that game who is Roman, but still like at that point it was Hellenistic Egypt, like Greek and Roman cultures were mingling with Egyptian culture. Uh, and you see that in origins some, so I wouldn't be surprised because uh, Odyssey takes place before Origins. If those characters are somehow tied to, even if they're not related to Bayek, um, but uh, either way, um, my kind of my original point was that like Connor is so grim, and I think his story is written to be almost too dark. Like it's it's hard to 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 like 
to play kind of um not because it's upsetting but because it's like hard to take seriously because the stuff that happens to him is so just continues to be go bad and worse you're at a certain point you're like dude just fucking leave like these people all suck all of them all of them around you are terrible um and so in Mm -hmm. by contrast like origins is very dark uh you know Bayek's motivations for being the character that he is are pretty much as strong as you could get um the stuff that happens to him in the early parts of that game that they reveal are uh just devastating but it's portrayed so well and he still is a character who has moments of brevity too that are fun so the point being hearing the odyssey is kind of more fun and and less heavy overall i think these two teams doing a super serious followed by a more fun kind of goofy is the wrong word but 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 just lighter hearted game would be pretty cool going forward yeah the the story itself is like um i like i said i'm not very far into it so it's hard to say where it's gonna go um but there it it is there is the moments of seriousness there are serious moments and there are moments that are dark however i feel like playing as cassandra it she feels like a very light character so even if there are serious storylines it's not um represented fully i mean it's not affecting the entire game and that's kind of what i'm like like that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like the, 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 the tone of the character less than the story not being serious. Right. Right. I think that's true. And I think that's part of why I'm, I'm liking this game so much and I'm willing to sit through it. It's like, well, I don't like, it took me, it took a while for things to kind of kick off, but Cassandra's really cool. And so I'm willing to kind of, uh, see where this goes. Whereas I don't know if I necessarily, do that with a character that was more self-serious uh it's, it's hard to say but um yeah it, it's i'm i'm really interested in seeing where this game goes and then where the series goes as a whole um especially since they've gone kind of gone off the rails in terms of characters and connecting it to things so uh i i will say that this is kind of more of a from what i've seen of odyssey it has the same sort of thing that's sort of been the case with kind of every game in the series i guess um and it's a hard thing to convey but like when you play like uh red dead for example or even uh, god of war is another example even though it's not like same kind of open world um there's like a weightiness to the feel of the characters and the feel of the combat um, that is very, I don't know how to put it in Assassin's Creed though. It always feels like, I guess it's a, a certain degree of jank of like, and when, when I'm like swinging my sword at this, at an enemy and they back up, they end up like with one foot on a ledge and the other foot just floating in the air until you hit them enough that they like fall off and they kind of like, glitch through the ledge and hit the ground it, it it just feels like very like everything feels like you you're not connected to the world physically in terms of controls you like the characters 
are like skating across the environments in a way that you don't get with other triple a like open worldy like action rpg kind of games and I, I hope that they solve that problem as they move forward because it's it's the thing that i'm struggling the most with in the combat and just like in being taken out of the experience in origins right now that i has always been a thing in the series but as other aspects of the production value continue to improve that part of it is a little bit it feels like they're working with an engine that has had stuff bolted onto it for years and years and years, which is exactly what's happened. <laughs> so. So yeah, um, unless you guys have any other questions, I have a couple of other games that I played this weekend since we have a smaller cast, I might. Yeah, do it. I'm gonna use this yeah, go for it. Exam this time to bring them up uh, because I only just got uh, Odyssey yesterday. So there are two games that I've been I've, I've been playing a lot of this week. Uh, first is The Messenger, uh, which I'm really enjoying. The only issue that I have with it um, is the I don't know if you guys play it yet, but there's the this basically there's the um, checkpoint revival system where basically there's a character that uh, helps you at the brink of death uh, in exchange for you um, exchange for taking some of your uh, currency the next time that you go through. Um, so it's it's a really reasonable system. The only thing that's kind of annoying about that is that the uh, character kind of makes a jokey insult at you every time it does it. And granted, it's not terrible. But at the same time, like I was having a bit of a hard week. And so I was I was like, I don't know if I necessarily need this. Uh, it, it feels like it's actively kind of making you not want to play the game in a weird way. Um, and I, I feel like the rest of the game is really solid it gives me kind of um i haven't quite gotten to the uh big gameplay change yet but I, I think i'm almost there but the gameplay feels really fun and it kind of gives me that uh shovel knight vibes of having that retro feel but being so well polished and fun and uh have the kind of perfect level of difficulty so that i i, I i'm really enjoying playing it that's just the thing where i'm like you know it'd be nice if you weren't actively trying to make me turn off the game <laughs> um but I mean, everything else about the game really works so I'm, I'm excited to get more into it and hopefully uh hopefully beat it before the end of the year um but the other game that i've been playing and i feel like is the polar opposite in that it's uh extremely inviting and wants you to play it is the game uh, Wander Song? I don't know if you guys have heard of it yet. Wander Song? No. Mm -mm. Uh, I'm playing it on Switch, but I know that it's also on PC um, because it was published by Humble. Uh, but it's the single cutest game in the world. Uh, uh, I've seen it I've compared to um, both Night in the Woods and paper mario but more so like gameplay night in the woods-esque uh where you, you're playing as a bard where you go around helping people through the power of song uh so you literally um the right thumbstick on your controller is controlling the pitch so there's set, uh, eight separate directions and each direction is a separate note so you can affect either the environment that way like for example you might see 
the wind and you can kind of move it around with your voice or you can sometimes play um specific uh things that people sing at you and you play it back um so it's it's not uh in a difficult game in any means it's not a game that wants to have you lose it it's it's more of kind of a casual uh thing but it is such a warm and friendly type of game that it's really sweet uh the music it's is really good as you'd hope from a game that's music focused and it, the design of it is the cutest thing in the world so it's just uh endlessly charming um i love being able to play as a bard just singing at everybody and uh there's it's, it's just kind of the, the sweetest game i might have ever played so I definitely recommend it if you have some extra money lying around and have a Switch or a PC and want to play something real cute. Uh, so, Wandersong is very, very good. Um, all right. Uh, does anybody else have anything to add, or are we going to be wrapping this thing up? I think I'm good. Yeah, I don't think I have uh, too much more to add. I will say... Um, you turned Wait, into a what? robot. Oh, did I? Yeah, sorry. Uh, that's awesome. Oh, great. Well, then I definitely don't have anything more to say. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. RoboPat. I love it. Robo uh -huh. Best Boy. Yeah. I'll see if I can do it <laughs> in the future. I saw some tapes this week, uh, some game tapes, where there was some robot voice happening. <laughs> <laughs> on the original Xbox Live. Y'all should go watch uh, the most recent game tapes at giantbomb.com because it's very good. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> we need to find a way to make this happen every week. Just <laughs> It's not hard. I can make it happen every week. I just need the right voice changer. Oh, okay. This is not on purpose. I didn't do this. <laughs> but I could. No, no, but you are going to get a voice changer, though. Fantastic. Yes. I look forward um, to like the, right. the Crystal Maiden-style lady voice you'll have next week. <laughs> all right so uh let's just find where people can find us this week so uh alex where can people find you i don't know <laughs> uh, Google. you know what i'll take it uh pat you can find me on my recharging station <laughs> do you connect to skylanders <laughs> no yes. but i i can tell you the weather and charge your phone too oh Cool, that's good. Um, you can find me on Twitter at W-R-I-T-E-R-S-E-R-E-N-Y-T-Y. -Y, um, and you can find me on Twitch at Happy Beeps here. Uh, and I haven't really streamed much this week, but I'm hopefully going to be doing it soon. I've, I've, I've had a week, so um, but we'll see when I get back to streaming stuff. Um, and also you can find us at Fix Podcasts on Facebook and on uh, at fix.space uh, for websites. All right, so I favorite think podcasting apps. Exactly. Are we? Oh. You can also find us on the American Psychological Association uh, dot com <laughs> and on their website. <laughs> on their website, there'll be a link to Gaming Fix uh, as proven therapy. So get on that. Um, so I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>